I am so floored that you guys are about to talk about a really scary movie, and I'm not. I'm just really impressed at all the growth that we've seen in each of them. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. This week, in addition to what we're feeling, we're going to be talking about the number one box office success, A Quiet Place, John Krasinski's directorial debut? Directorial debut. No, this is his third movie. This is his third movie? Yep. He did brief interviews with Hideous Men, and then I didn't know he had had another one. I read that it was his third, but I know that it's not his first. I did zero research for this. John Krasinski is a prolific director. This is another one of his movies. John Krasinski's <laughs> first movie people noticed. I think yeah. it's his first um, like big studio movie. That makes sense. Well, cool. Before we get into all of that, <laughs> let's introduce ourselves and share what is your least favorite trope. I'm Xander Amstutz, and I'm a social media manager from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm not above an indie, soft, like, hipster movie. But what I can't stand in those movies, the trope that drives me crazy, is when you have, like, a beautiful female character that just, like, is walking along a path and she is, like, slightly grazing her hand along something in the environment, like, (laughs) along a brick wall or, like, tall blades of grass or the water or a chain-link fence... I just think it's the dumbest visual cue (laughs) that, like, this girl is deep, but I also want to have sex with her. Like, I want her to do this to my body. Um, I I hate it. So that's my least favorite trope. Oh, man. She's in touch with the things around her. Just look at her touching the things around her. Absolutely. (laughs) I am Lawson Soward. I am an art director in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think my least favorite trope or the one that I see executed most poorly most often, is uh, introducing a good old-fashioned badass. Um, The ways that they show someone to set them up as just being, like, hardcore or edgy or dark. One of my favorite lampoonings of the trope is uh, Paul Rudd in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Just, like, all the way he's over the top, like, ugh, ugh like about everything um, is hilarious. And one of the worst instances I've seen of it, um, or to me anyway, was in uh, Pitch Perfect, whenever they're like, I don't know, Anna Kendrick's a little alternative. Like, I just, the way that people are set up as being like edgy and badass doesn't work for me super, super often. Nice. Um, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer in the Bay Area. Nope. I'm Lucas Wright, a designer who just moved to Chicago. Hey! (laughs) Congratulations! Congrats. (laughs) Um, And my least favorite trope is the closing the mirror medicine cabinet and something is behind you thing. That's that's even come out of horror movies and is now in, like, lots of movies. Um, And it just doesn't... Anytime anybody opens that thing, I know there's going to be something behind it. That's true. Oh, can I... I I thought I just thought of another one. Um, yeah. I also hate two characters are having a conversation in the front seat of a car, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they get like T-boned 
Yep. Like out of nowhere. That is a terrible trope. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That was my other one. All right. We're doing two now, Lawson. Go. <laughs> oh, great. I'm I don't kidding. know if you could tell how much difficulty I had doing the first one, but I'm excited oh, to do a second. No worries. <laughs> well, well, every week we like to talk about something that we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, whether that be a movie, a TV show, a website, a film. I already said movie, which is the same thing as I'm doing great today. Lawson, what are you feeling this week? <laughs> um, I am feeling the newest album by Casey Musgraves, Golden Hour. Are you guys Casey Musgraves fans? Big Casey Musgraves fan. I am a fan of a lot of people that are Casey Musgraves fans. <laughs> I have never listened to Casey Musgraves, but I have only heard the best things about her. Okay, well, that was my exact scenario, and then I found myself in a position one day of wanting something different to listen to, and all the people around me that had constantly been raving about her, I was like, I thought, you know, I'm going to give this new album a shot. And from the very first track... I was in. I was one of those people in high school that would go around saying, I like every kind of music except country. Um, and yeah, it was annoying. Um, but I'm not that way anymore. And there's so much country that I have um, come to love and really appreciate. Uh, one of the things I love about Casey Musgraves is her Texas roots, predictable. But um, she sings about that in a really earnest way that I um, really identify with. I mean, she's been around for a long time. I heard some of her previous stuff, um, one or two songs that didn't connect with me very much. Uh, but, I mean, this girl's been writing songs since she was eight. She's co-written songs with uh, Miranda Lambert. She went on tour with Lady Antebellum. She's not. She's been around, and she's a hardworking musician and is doing great things. And even whenever I wasn't connecting with her music in particular, um, I still respected what she was doing. This new album's a different story. I love it. I have enjoy every track on here. It's one of those that um, has all the right ebbs and flows to be an album that listens great in its entirety. Uh, and it's just a very slow-paced... It sounds to me... <laughs> actually, I can't get this visual out of my head now, Sandra, but it sounds to me like somebody driving out the window with their hand... Uh, like going up and down in the wind uh, in the least tropey way possible, if that's if that's possible. Um, but I will say, touching the wind is not the same thing as touching running, grazing your fingers along something. It's true, close, but it's not the same. <laughs> also, I think like hand dancing in the wind out a car window is the only tropey thing like that that I've actually done in real life. Totally. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. Um, but yeah, this girl whose you know parents she's from Mineola, Texas, like a place I've been dozens of times in my life, and I just it, it's so um, refreshing and grounding to listen to stuff that um, feels like it's written specifically for you. And uh, the variety of people that love this album that I've seen talking about it, I know it's not just for folks who. Uh, grew up with their grandparents in Texas, but uh, it does have a special place in my heart because of it. Um, really, really stellar songwriting chops, beautiful melodies, um, very simple, uh, gorgeous guitar. Uh, it's good stuff. So I'm going to play a clip from uh, that very first song that wrote me right in, which is Slow Burn.
She's also a mandolin player and a really good one. I just, I love this new album. I love her, her songs. I know, I know I need to get on this train. I just, yeah, I need to do it because I love what I just heard. And I, and I, I don't listen to country right now, or at least current modern, like country that's come out recently. Um, but I did grow up with it and there is a version of it that, I mean, I love like Dixie Chicks and Shania Twain and Martina McBride <laughs> and, um, I feel like this is calling yeah. me home. See, when I first heard this album, I thought people would hate it because she's, I was like, oh, she's really like leaning into that country sound. I feel like this is not going to be something that people like, but people who hate country still like this album for some reason, which I find amazing. So I'm pumped that everybody's into country now <laughs> i mean it's a lot of like there's this area in country music right now that a lot of people are calling americana but really just sounds a lot like country used to sound like uh updated yeah. for today that um this album's doing a lot of those same things nice yeah i'm glad i'm glad to have another uh, modern day country music album that i like so much thank you absolutely Casey <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? So this week I'm feeling a new app that just came out. Um, have y'all ever used the website Unsplash? It's spelled U-N-S-P-L-A-S-H. I use it at least twice a day. Okay. Yeah, I use it like constantly all day. Unsplash is a free stock photography website. Um, it's free photography to use in blog posts, in graphic design, and, you know, in marketing. Um, as a social media manager by trade, um, I use it constantly because I'm constantly looking for images to make little graphics out of for social. Um, what I like about Unsplash, number one, is that it's free. But number two is that it's not a lot of the plain white background, random model, you know, um, stock photography that you might be, you might instantly think of when you hear that. It's more just like a lot of photographs from talented photographers that are all like collected in one place. Um, a lot of beautiful landscapes, a lot of, um, buildings and like, uh, people doing things. And it's a lot of, it feels like much more natural photography, which I really appreciate. There's a great variety there. So I use Unsplash all the time. And just recently they came out with an iOS app, um, that I think is just really, really great. It doesn't have the full functionality of the website. On the website, you can create an account and like select favorites and that kind of thing. But, um, the app itself is great because it's just, you can scroll through beautiful photography. You can search, use the search bar and find photography of whatever, you know, type you're looking for. 
And saving them to your phone is such a fluid, easy motion. You literally just um, drag a photo to the bottom left corner of the screen and it's saved to your device, um, your device's camera roll. So oftentimes saving photos on the iPhone, I wouldn't call it hard, but it definitely isn't always fast. And this app makes it so fast and fluid and it's just a really lovely um, user experience. So I'm really excited about having this um, on the iPhone and um, continuing to use Unsplash for any of like my free photography needs. Yeah, I first encountered Unsplash on a Medium article called Stock Photography That Doesn't Suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it had a couple listed and... Um, a lot of the websites were really convoluted or uh, like a situation where we'll email you 10 good stock photos a month if you sign up for our email list. And right. Unsplash was the main one I held on to because it's just, I mean, world-class photographers um, and it, it beautifully composed shots. I, I love it. And I am really excited that they have an iOS app now too because it's like photography that you want to be able to use kind of anywhere I, I mean things as simple as i want to update the header image on my twitter and i only have my phone like if you have this unsplash app you can do that so much quicker now totally um, and i think it's uh engineered to be like split screen compatible for ipads so you can just drag and drop images um which is super smart and really cool that's great yeah i don't do a lot of stock photography but um yeah, it sounds super useful compared to what I have used in the past. Sure. I mean, it can be nice for if you need a new background for your phone. If you need, you know, like you said, Lawson said, a Twitter header. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a high quality selection of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I, if you're looking for some, if you're looking for a photo or something and you want it to look beautiful, I would always recommend checking Unsplash before just using like Google Images. Um, yeah. Just keep that in mind. Good call. Thank you. Well, this week we just moved into our new apartment in Chicago, um, got everything set up, and now we're just basically exhausted. And we still have unpacking to do, but we last night we just ended up laying around and watching Netflix. And um, we finally finished the show Love Sick, which is amazing on Netflix. Have you guys seen it? No. I've seen the first few episodes and then I didn't keep up with it, but it's a show okay. that I desperately want to get onto. Yes. This show is amazing. I watched the first like season and a half stopped and I told my wife, I was like, we have to watch this. So I started the show over with her and we watched it together. It is a show about three friends, um, living in the UK and just what their lives look like. They're all in their, let's say mid to late twenties. Um, and the Wait. main character, what? Is this the show that used to be called Scrotal Recall? This is the show that used to be called Scrotal Recall. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay, yes. I heard great things yes. about this. Everyone just saying it has a terrible name. The it's name a really was great terrible. Show. Here, yes. I'm going to say something. I like the name Scrotal Recall. I think it's a great name, and I think the, the world is crazy for not liking that name. The name is super clever. Um, one, of, one of the friends gets diagnosed with chlamydia and has to call all the women he's been intimate with and basically inform oh. them of his diagnosis. So it's literally and a scrotal recall. Yes, exactly. But that and also so, makes which is super makes sense too. Yes. But yeah, yeah but scrotal like scrotal recall is fun. clever, but there's no way anybody's going to watch a show called scrotal recall <laughs> when you're just scrolling through Netflix. Um, That's funny. But each, so what I think what makes this, uh, this show really cool is 
each episode is him in the present going back and kind of either calling or reconnecting with um, someone from his past. And then it flashes back to kind of see his relationship with that woman. But a lot of it is not so much about them, but about his interaction with his friends during that time in his life. And so you get to build this really cool picture of what um, these friends' lives have been like over the last couple of years and kind of how they've grown, how they've changed. And you really fall in love with all of them. Like, it's amazing how connected you feel um, to these characters. Everybody does an amazing job. It's super sweet. And it's really just a show about love and friendship. Lucas, um, have you watched every episode? Yes. Okay. So this plot device that is that happens in the beginning of him calling back people he's had sex with to let them know about his chlamydia. Is that still going on, like, in the third season? I don't want to spoil things. Okay. I will say somewhat yes. Okay. All right. I just wanted to know if this was, like, is that, like, something that only happens in season one and then the rest of the show is just about these friends or, how you know, how no. that kind of no. played itself out? The show out? is based on flashbacks of okay. constantly kind of going back and sure. learning more about their lives. Sure. Um, it's like but, Lost. Yeah. In season two, we start jumping forward. In season three, we stop drifting sideways. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. the show has so many similarities to Lost. Lost. Sure. <laughs> I'm um, in. You know, there's been so many great articles written in the past, like, year or so, about how, um, you know, studios don't make rom-coms anymore the way that, like, they, they used to. Um, mm-hmm. We don't get them at the same volume or in the with the same kind of movie stars as we used to. Um, a lot of the role of rom-coms has transitioned to television. Um, mm-hmm. Shows like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend um, or New Girl or, you know, yeah. and Lovesick has been a show that has been often brought up in that conversation of, like, mm-hmm. really quality-made romantic storytelling. Yeah, I think, like, this is exactly that kind of thing. Like, as someone who would have been great in that movie yeah. sphere decided to go the television route because right. I think that's where people can watch this stuff. Like you're not going to make money yeah. <laughs> making this on for as a film. And let me say, I love Antonia Thomas. I think she's like oh. incredible. She was in, did y'all ever watch, what was that show called? The hero show. Um, Heroes? She was in a teenage, sort of a superhero British show. Oh, Misfits. Misfits. Yes. Oh, Did you yeah. watch yes. Misfits? It was a Hulu show. Uh, it was a BBC show. It was a BBC show. show. Yeah. Sorry, I encountered it on Hulu. <laughs> yes. Did um, y'all watch it? I didn't watch all of Misfits, but you're right. Yeah. Ugh, I loved Misfits. So she was great yeah. on that, and I've been a Johnny Flynn fan of his music for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm happy to hear that like he's doing well on a TV show, and he's not just like a musician that tried to act you know no yeah you'll also notice the third lead daniel ings um is on the crown so oh. you're getting a dose of him as well he's a uh, philip's best friend that mark, he is mark, yes like that. yeah uh but, philip yes guys i started <laughs> the so crown. glad I'm, i started the crown i'm in on the joke now <laughs> yay i'm so happy for you <laughs> oh man um well yeah that's that's lovesick there are three seasons out um, on Netflix, everybody should be watching this show. It's so cute and clever. I, I I need to do it. I just need to start it now. Yep, you do. Definitely. Lawson, you as well. Deal. I think you and Lindsay would love it. Yeah. I think we would. Okay. Well, let's transition into something that I um, am going to eat a lot of crow about, but our Oscar predictions. Okay. 
So we're a little bit of a month <laughs> behind, but guys, I won the Oscar bet. <sighs> Woo-woo. You did it, Sandra. Congratulations. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So part of our Oscar bet is that the winner gets to pick a movie that the other two participants have to watch before next year's Oscars, right? That is the bet. That is the bet. Okay. I here, I want to throw something out to y'all. I have picked a movie for you, okay? I'm very but, nervous about this. But... <laughs> um. On the off chance that y'all are like, oh, I just do not want to watch this movie. Um, I was thinking, and y'all could turn this down completely, but I was thinking a fun, like, option B would be you could either watch the movie I've picked for you, or you can watch all the movies you haven't seen from my top 10 of 2017. <laughs> so like so four or five movies. Two oh, hours this means this or movie 12 is going hours. To be bad. Correct. <laughs> but it's 12 hours of movies that like you probably already want to see. Because True. they're in my top 10. I, I looked over that list. I think they're all movies that y'all really want to see. From what I can tell. So yeah, yeah. it's either four like amazing movies that you know you want to see. Or this movie. Okay. Oh, man. I'm on the edge of my seat. Part of the Oscar bet is trying to pick a movie that you love so dearly, but that you know the other people would never voluntarily choose to watch. Right? right? Correct. So for this for this bet, I have picked um, a documentary. It's called One Direction, This Is Us. And it is oh, a no. documentary about the band One Direction. I should have seen this coming. Oh, no. <laughs> it's Sandra. delightful. It, it is like part concert documentary, part documentary about their rise to fame. Um, and it's a lovely, delightful little film that makes you fall in love with the boys and get to, like, be there for some of their concerts. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's that's my pick. Like I said, if... You truly can't bring yourself to watch a two-hour movie about a boy band, which I think would be very silly of you. Um, you could watch <laughs> all the movies in my top ten. All right. I am trying to find the runtime right now, and it's not showing up, but I think I will it's be It's 72 watching. hours. It's oh. not 72 <laughs> hours. <laughs> it's an, it's a, a 30 for 30 documentary. <laughs> yeah. O.J. Simpson. Um... um no, I'm definitely going to watch it because those are the rules and I follow the rules. Um, I'm just going to hate myself while I do it. It's one also, hour I'm and not... 46 minutes. Okay. I can do that. that is, I can definitely do that. That is doable. And you know what? It's not going to hurt anybody to know more about a such a large part of pop culture and pop music. And guys, like, it, will not it hurt was directed. This Correct. documentary was directed by Morgan Spurlock. So it's not like directed by someone who has like some chops yeah um i i have no idea if this is correct or not sandra you can correct me one direction is not a band anymore right correct well here's technically yes so what happened was (laughs) zane quit the band um before their last album you know they had another contracted album they 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 were all contracted to do five albums and then after the fourth album, Zane quit the band. So then 
One Direction produced their fifth album and then said, we're on hiatus. But they they see they say they're on hiatus, but it's kind of known that like that's like a permanent hiatus, but they're not saying that specifically because, you know, that kind of would make a lot of people very emotional. So they're leaving themselves open to the possibility of returning together as a group, but as of now, they are not working together. It's like that Saturday Night Live story where one time Paul McCartney almost grabbed John Lennon from his New York apartment to go make a surprise showing on the show after they had been broken up for like seven or ten years. And it didn't end up happening because they were too high. But, you know... (laughs) Anybody can want to come back together and almost happen. So that's a that's a deep cut, Lawson. <laughs> and explained so well, like it's just <laughs> expert storytelling too. You're very welcome. Yep. All right. Well, enjoy, guys. All right. Yep, we'll do. I'll definitely we'll watch do. it. I think it I will, will enjoy it more than I expect. Absolutely, you will. I'm positive that will happen. Yeah. They're 100%. fun. They're fun, guys. The music's fun and catchy. The one thing that I am sad about is that I think they got better with each album. You know, like, their very first two albums are a lot of, like, studio-produced boy band songs, which I love. Um, but that's what they are. And then their third and fourth and fifth album, they got to start making music that I think is a little higher quality and a little bit more personal to the guys in the band. Um, mm. They got to start writing some of their songs. They, it, it, their music increased in quality. And so um, you're not going to get to see any of that growth because I think this happens when they're um, about to be like recording their third album. Um, so you're catching them at like their true, like almost getting to their height. They still haven't gotten there yet, but they're on their way because but and they're a worldwide phenomenon. They're like their bubble gummiest. Yeah. So before we jump into our feature review, I also have a little bit of news to announce. Um, sadly, I this will be my last time uh, on the podcast. Uh, I was not able to see A Quiet Place in Time before this review and we I kicked him out so we've we, kicked him we, out. like we oh, were like man. this is the last straw <laughs> <laughs> it's um, too much no lucas and sandra as always and as you would expect have been super understanding about the fact that i needed to go down to every other week i wasn't able to see a wrinkle in time and then we did a movie that i had seen a week a month ago and then we did i wasn't able to see this just in general the past six weeks have kind of been um Something that has been a continuation of a trend of me just realizing that logistically the podcast doesn't uh, work for me to be able to do it and to do it reliably and to do it as well as I would want to be able to do it. And even though I have two very amazing, understanding, and wonderful co-hosts who have been very chill as I have uh, not been able to uh, do this on the level I would want to do it, um, ultimately I think I just needed to um, take the hint and uh, understand that uh, I it doesn't fit in my life right now, so I will be bowing out after this episode. This has been such a fun project. It has been a highlight of my week um, reliably over like the past over two years, and it just kind of started out of a literal dream. So I have I have really enjoyed it, and I am um, you know course it is up to sandra and lucas what come next comes next and i am excited for it whatever it is and uh i 
I'm just so thankful for the time that we've spent doing this together. So I wanted to let y'all know, um, listening, that I this will be my last time, and uh, thanks for listening to all of my lame jokes over the years and months. They will be missed, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, one, we, will, we, of course, one, love you, Lawson, and I've had so much fun doing this with you, and I think you bring a level of sincerity and intelligence and emotional, like, depth to this podcast that has always been greatly appreciated Mm -hmm. yeah we said we'd do it while it was fun and we didn't want to make this too much work or anything like that this is just something that we all wanted to to do we just wanted to talk to each other and uh, be able to talk about this kind of stuff and um so absolutely no pressure anytime you want to come back and if we need to take a break at any point in time we'll definitely do that um but you're always welcome absolutely thanks guys i i really appreciate it this has been an utter blast. Well, on that note, Lawson, we will see you later. Sandra and I will be talking about a quiet place. Oh, Lucas, can you believe we watched a horror movie? Okay, I was so nervous about this movie i was just i kept like googling like is this a horror movie like because it that's what i hate about some horror movies is the trailer just looks so good yeah i'm just like i kind of have to see this i kind of have to see this but if it's a horror movie i usually won't right and this one kept coming back as like a thriller suspense movie more than a horror movie um and so i was like okay this is a horror movie i'm gonna do it I'm going to do it. I feel like it's terrifying. <laughs> um, let me tell you one thing that I didn't account for when I made this decision to see this movie. Yeah. My friends and I got to the theater. We got our seats. We're sitting down. And then I had this sudden realization that, oh, no, because this is a horror movie, all of the trailers are going to be for horror films. Yes. I yes. didn't think about that. And how much I didn't think about it either that... until the first trailer started. And I was like, nope. Nope. No. Oh, they were all so awful. Yeah. Heredity? Or no, what is Hereditary? it? Hereditary. Truth Whoa. or Dare. Yeah. Oh, Truth or Dare looks really bad. Hereditary looks truly terrifying. Yeah. Um, Truth or Dare looks like bad and terrifying. And then there was yeah. that one that was more action horror-y. Um, that was like they rent a house, like they rent a house and then there's like a truck full of Did you see this one? I don't think I saw that one. It's like this like hot black couple is like going away for the weekend and they at a gas station see this like creepy white guy and they accidentally take his phone and then he shows up to get the phone. But then he also maybe like has sex slaves. It looked intense. I have not seen that. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Interesting. Anyway, well, sorry, trailers. So no, those were yeah. terrifying. And oh, so I yeah. also, this is my first movie in Chicago. Oh. And so I almost like took the train to the theater, but I was like, you know what? I'm, I don't want, I just don't want to have to walk anywhere at night after this yeah. movie. I'm just going to drive. <laughs> so <laughs> I drove to the theater. <laughs> oh, I get that. I get that a lot. Oh, man. So we've both established. Yeah. We are not horror fans. Not we slightest. don't watch horror movies at all. This is, I think, maybe the eighth horror movie I've ever seen in my life. Ooh, I, I don't know if mine is that high. Yeah. But yes, it is very, yeah. 
one of very few movies. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the movie. Okay. So this is, I think this is a very unique movie. It is, um, the premise is basically you can't talk um, or things will get you. I, don't, I didn't watch, I watched the first trailer for this movie and that is it. So I don't know like how much is talked about in the trailer. Really nothing is talked about in that first trailer. So um, it might be better for you to give an explanation of like what people can know. Yeah, can know so I think the can't. basic premise of this movie that you get from the trailer is that there's a family that lives in a house sort of in like a wooded area and um, they use sign language. Everyth- everything they do is about being as silent as possible. They they walk on sand, paths of sand barefoot. They um, use... They don't use anything heavy on the floors or on the table so that they don't make thumping noises. Everything that they do is about being quiet. And it's because there's something in the woods that hunts, that is hunting them, that can only hunt by sound. That if they hear you, the tagline is, if they hear you, they will hunt you. Um, and that's all I think we knew going into this movie. Yeah, yeah. Newt stars Elizabeth, Elizabeth, not Elizabeth Blunt, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Yes. And the the deaf girl from Wonderstruck. Yeah. And <laughs> that's about all I knew. Um, John Krasinski directed this movie. Um, he was presented with the script, and then I think he rewrote the script, so he has a co-writing credit on it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie is, it's as I said before, it's kind of one of those movies that I wasn't sure if it was completely a horror movie or more of a thriller with horror tropes and stuff like that in it. Um, but... Guys, this movie is one of the tensest movies I've ever been in. Like, the entire theater was just, like, clenching the entire movie. Um, there were parts of this where I just, like, was biting my coat just so I could, like, <laughs> have something to do <laughs> while um, some of the stuff was going on on screen. Yeah. I, it's not, like, super gory or anything, um, but it is terrifying. Yeah, it's definitely... Very scary for me, at least as a non-horror fan. Um, I found a lot of comfort in the fact that I kind of like... We were at a theater with like big recliner seats. So I was kind of like Mm. bundled up in my seat, like in the fetal position. And I... And like covering my face with both hands. um, Covering my mouth. And then if I... So that like if I needed to cover my eyes, I could do so quickly. And I was very comforted that there was a guy I didn't know in the seat right next to me doing the exact same thing. Like we would both cover our mouths at the exact same (laughs) times. And then like... Just like we had the same body language. And I really appreciated that. Um, Yeah. This movie... I thought it was very good. Um, because I don't see horror a lot, I can't tell you what how it compares to other horror films in scare levels or quality levels, but I thought it was really well made. I thought the world building was obviously excellent. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I really believed in this like family unit that we get to see and the dynamics between all of them. Um, and it was an incredibly tense movie yeah there were so many moments where um i think part of this movie and part of the plot of this movie is that danger is truly everywhere that like there are very few moments where you can relax and just be your and Mm -hmm. and, like think that nothing could happen because that is not the world that these characters live in literally at any moment one sound could happen and you could be dead and so um 
because those characters never get a, a single moment to relax, we as an audience never get yeah. a single moment to yeah, relax. Yeah, you definitely get like an ease in tension sometimes, sure. but it's never fully, like you are never fully relaxed. Like it's just like, okay, that one thing is now fine, <laughs> but a million other things could go wrong at any moment. So yeah, yeah I thought it was an excellent, excellent filmmaking um, on everybody's part. I thought the sound design was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have this world where people aren't talking for the most part. People aren't making a lot of noise. And so like, the music obviously plays a huge part of this, but also just how they depict how noise is um, kind of interpreted in this. You have a deaf girl in this, and so like you get to see things from her perspective a lot of the time, where there just is no noise. Um, and I just thought I just thought it was a really interesting use of sound design. Yeah, I thought it was so cool. Um, the sound design is so important to the plot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it, they're not just artistic choices, like. Through sound design, you understand what is happening with monsters. You understand what is happening with these characters, what they can sense and what they can't. And, um, um, yeah, so it was incredibly vital. Yeah. Um, a lot of things I want to talk about in the spoiler section sure. that aren't really spoilers, but that are, you know, a lot more plot devices um, and kind of how things are used. But I, I just do want to say, like, I thought as far as, acting goes I thought everybody did a great job I usually am a little iffy on kid actors and kind of how they um are handled but all the kids in this I thought did a did a fantastic job of just being terrified the whole time yeah um and that little boy their communication had such with each other. a great scared face yeah and that's really all you need when they're just doing sign language for most of it is yeah. <laughs> just be scared and just be able to do something yeah <laughs> so yeah his face was fantastic and it's I'm I was surprised how much of it he was in um mm-hmm. because a lot of like the at least the marketing that I saw I didn't see much marketing for this movie but a lot of what I saw um is more focused on kind of the teen the girl. girl yeah yeah um and I thought they them together they also had it like a really great chemistry mm-hmm. um as a brother sister relationship it was really good yeah there one of my favorite things about this movie and I, I don't want to spoil what these things are but is that the monsters are definitely scary, but that though it is not always the scariest part of the film. There are so mm-hmm. many terrifying moments in this film from just real world threats. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think that that is one of the things that makes this movie so smart is that the moments where I was scared the most, like could not look at the screen, totally terrified were moments where the monster wasn't even technical technically involved um and i think that it's so smart to play on the what if scare of what if you couldn't make any noise but then Mm -hmm. also the real life you know fears that we have that they also play up in this movie that we can talk about in spoilers i think the blend of those two is really really smart oh totally yeah yeah this I guess I, I know a smart movie is really <laughs> the the thing that I came away from this. Of. Yeah, this this is a very very smart movie. Yeah, I would say and there's it's, a few moments where it's not so smart, but on the whole, yes, it has its flaws. Yeah, for sure. But I there's not a lot else I want to say before we get into spoilers. I would say you guys should see this movie if you're able if you're capable of <laughs> of handling this movie, which I feel like most people are. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, I would definitely, definitely check this out. 
Um, I'm I'm excited to see, and it's also very original. Like we don't get a lot of. I, I feel like we get a lot more original horror movies than than anything else. Yeah. Um, but for a big studio movie like this, it's really, I think, fun to see something that's not based on any other IP. Yeah. Well, and again, like you mentioned. The acting is so good. When you have someone as talented as Emily Blunt starring in a horror film, the quality of that horror film is just going to go up immensely. And it's not just Uh in the scary scenes because, like, I'm not an actor, but I would imagine acting, like, scared for a horror film is kind of a standard thing to do. You know, like, there's Mm -hmm. only so much nuance I think you can portray where Emily Blunt's like talent really shines is in this few scenes where they're not scared for their lives when they're having conversations about what their lives are going to look like in this world that is when it really pays off to have an actress like Emily Blunt in your movie yeah she i'm i am sad that she has never like even been nominated for an academy award for anything she'll get there I, she, She'll she'll definitely get there, but she is she is someone who I feel like should be in way more things. And her chemistry with John Krasinski, who's her real life husband, um, I think was really really great. I I I now want to see more of them together in things. Yeah, um, yeah, they were they were great. Um, John Krasinski, I have such a hot cold relationship with him. Um, <laughs> But I think that this movie is like a really great turn for him. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see you know how it progresses in pop culture. You know that's one thing we saw with Get Out was that everyone kind of saw it at the beginning of the year, and then by the end of the year, or a lot of people saw it at the beginning of the year, I should say. But by the end of the year, it felt like everyone had seen it, and mm-hmm. it, you know it kind of pervaded pop culture in a certain way. And I'm excited to see what the trajectory for A Quiet Place is in that regard. Yeah. I don't know if it'll make it as far as Get Out, but sure. I would love that it, if it still had that kind of momentum. Yeah. Um, to where we didn't forget about it once award season comes around. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready cool. to talk spoilers. Same. Let's do it. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, so the most terrifying, the two most terrifying scenes for me was yes. anything to do with the nail on the stairs. Oh, my goodness. The nail on the stairs yeah. was so yep. scary. The moment it yep. popped up, and then literally uh. for the rest of the movie, because it never went back down. <laughs> I know. Every single time someone was on that staircase, yeah. I was terrified. Yeah. And e- even after she'd already stepped on it, right. people still go up and down that staircase, yes. and you're just like, somebody pointed the nail, just somebody. Yes. <laughs> because. Oh, man. One, I have known people in the real world that have stepped on a nail like that. That like, yeah, yep. that is a thing that happens, especially when you grow up in mm-hmm. the country like I did. Yep. And yep. it is a truly terrifying thing to like think of the mm-hmm. full weight of your body barefoot. I'm, Ugh. I'm cringing right now. Yeah. No. <laughs> and so... That was, I think, the scariest thing for me. And I think it's so cool that in a movie with such a high concept, the scariest thing about it was a nail. Um, mm-hmm. The other scary moment for me was the idea of drowning in that corn silo. Yes. And they, yeah, they, 
I mean, there's so much panic um, that gets kind of happening in that scene uh-huh. on everyone's face. But kind of the the notion of noise kind of ends up going out the window at that point because they like there's nothing you can do. You right. just like have to save yourself right. from drowning in that corn. And so everybody's moving. Everybody that's so loud. And the whole time you are thinking a lot about like, oh, you're making a lot of noise. But it almost doesn't even matter right. at that point. But also you're just like you've got to get out of the corn. The idea of. Drowning is terrifying, but drowning Uh in something like corn where, like, there's not even, like, the piece of drowning in water, you know? Like, like, drowning is scary, but also somewhat peaceful. Like, but in corn, that's not. That's just, like, a terrifying feeling. Um, And there's no way to, like, yeah. With water, you float. With the corn, you're just, like, the more you move, the more you sink. And... Mm-hmm. It's oh, it's so scary. And so, again, for those to be the two most tense scenes from my perspective, um, mm-hmm. I think it was so. Cool. I think it just did an incredible job keeping you, I guess, on the edge of your seat the entire time because every little thing in this movie is terrifying because of that threat of noise and what can and cannot make noise. Um, you talked about earlier, but just the production design of like that world building, yeah. Um, like with the sand, like them putting out the sand and the red um, lights, so you have all the string lights, paths. exactly. Yep. The red lights, um, kind of them living on this farm, the underground basement that they've like paper mache yeah. <laughs> um, to keep out sound, like all of it I thought was so, so beautiful. Um, and also like put you in mind of just like how hard this world must be to live in. Right. Um, also, okay. I don't know. Because I didn't watch, I only watched the first trailer. Did you know there were three kids? Um, when the movie started and there were three kids, I was just kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, this is how many kids there are. I didn't, I wasn't yeah. keeping track of like how many kids are in the family. Okay. I, I, I didn't know if Before, like he was in, in the it. trailers. I mean, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just didn't know like how much had been marked because that of that death happened so fast. Yeah. Um. I didn't know, like, how much of that was in the marketing that, like, you knew that, like, a kid had died. So, but, yeah, I I came into it not knowing that, and that that really freaked me out right at the yeah. beginning. I mean, it was a really – that was an amazing scene. Um, I think some of the trailers kind of spoiled that. Um, I don't think it oh, outright yeah. said, like, this kid died, you know, like, early on. Mm-hmm. But it kind of sh- – I think some of the trailers had the scene – of the very little kid with the rocket making noise and John Krasinski running towards him. And so okay. you could kind of like see it coming, what was about to happen. Um, okay. If, if you know, if you notice that from the tra- from one of those trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Got it. Yeah. I just thought that that point where, cause <laughs> I think there are like four, th- four times before that, like the things almost make noise and they stop it. Yeah. Um, and, like, you don't know, like, you don't really know what the threat is. You don't know, like, what's going to happen if noise happens. You just know it's bad. And then when that noise goes off, when they're on the bridge and the noise goes off, you, the like, they don't show the kid at first. You just see John Krasinski freak out and, like, start to turn. Everyone see Emily Blunt face. just give up. Yeah. But it's almost, yeah, not, not even just like, oh no, it's more like he's dead. Like yeah. it's just cause Emily Blunt just basically gives up in that moment of like, she's already mourning the loss of this kid that hasn't died yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that I thought, I thought was amazing and just terrifying too. Cause I, you don't know what the threat is exactly. Yeah. You just know that 
this kid is going to die, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but. And also to see not the kid even, like, killed in front of them, but, like, just Mm-mm. snatched, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, one minute he was there and the next he was gone. And mm-hmm. now the family has to deal with that, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, there were some amazing scenes with Emily Blunt dealing with the death of that child. Um, mm-hmm. The scene of where she says, my hands were free, you know, like I could have yeah. carried him. I could have mm-hmm. been carrying my child, but I didn't want to because he was heavy, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And I didn't. And yeah. Because. Uh, yeah, at that at at that time, because I think the first thing she says, because it's right after she's had the baby, and she just said he was so heavy, was the first thing, and I thought she was talking about the baby, right. and then she said, and my hands were free, and I was like, oh no, yeah, oh, uh, no. I mean, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. she's so good. Oh, she's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Another moment that like really got me in the movie was the reveal, where John Krasinski comes to the bathroom looking for her and he sees the bathtub with the blood in it. Yeah. And we yeah. kind of think for a second that she's been snatched. Uh-huh. And and then the hand. And then we realize <laughs> that she's not. Oh my God, that was amazing. Um Oof. we should talk about the pregnancy plot line. Yes. Yes. Because watching this movie, I get it ultimately, like shit happens, but there was a strong part of me that's like Y'all should have been using better birth control because pregnancy is too risky in this environment. Oh, for sure. That's like, so yeah, I, the whole time when you find out she's pregnant, I was like, this is a terrible idea. Everything about this is bad. Why would you do this? But then, but then they start to have those conversations around, like they're almost kind of wanting to replace that kid. Um, Like he, he burnt, like he ends up, John Krasinski's character ends up burning all of um, like his memorabilia of the kid on top of the the silo and um it's like it's basically like they feel so i don't know like like it like they want they, they think the way they can fix themselves in this moment is to have a kid which is a hundred percent incorrect right. and i think they come to that realization yeah <laughs> of just like this isn't like this didn't Ugh. fix it once she has it yeah but which i thought was an what well, that's an amazing because I, th- I feel like that is a a great theme of this movie is like just like your family can't fix this. Like having another kid doesn't fix the hurt and the pain that you of losing one. Totally. Um, and I thought that was beautiful, but yeah. And like the way they prepared for it and everything I thought was really inventive. Yeah. But the whole time I was just like, this is stupid. This is a terrible, terrible decision. Yeah. Just built out of grief. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question. So when he was mm-hmm. burning that flame on top of that silo, and then he looks yes. out and there are like other flames happening. Mm-hmm. Were those supposed to be other people, like other families in the woods? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. It's just showing. And because because there's one, because he, you know, the camera kind of turns showing all the the fires that are lit. Right. Um, and then it turns to it like a dark spot, almost as if like, oh, well, they're gone. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Um, yeah, just showing that everybody is kind of siloed on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't live as a community anymore. Yeah. And then the teens, you know, they go up and they light the fire and then there's nothing. So does that mean all yeah. of the families died that day? With that, I didn't even think about that. I thought the fire went out quickly. Hmm. Um, was more kind of what it was like. They were trying to just signal yeah. their parents or somebody. And the fire just went out too quickly for anybody to see. Sure. It. So I don't yeah, know. Maybe. It, yeah, it could have been. Either one. Yeah. Um, let me talk about 
the thing that one of, I think the biggest flaw of this movie, and that yeah. is the dumb whiteboard in John Krasinski's like lab <laughs> that just says, "What is their weakness?" <laughs> yeah. There are three, three known. What is their weakness? <laughs> yeah, it really lays it out for you at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that, of like we don't we don't learn anything about the creatures. It's just on the whiteboard. Yeah. Of, like I get they, what that does on an exposition level for the audience. Yeah. But yeah. And I don't even mind like all the newspapers that like he has taped up that you know show mm-hmm. that you know the progression like that. I think is a little cheesy, but it kind of, it still kind of makes sense, you know, but Mm. that he would have a whiteboard that he writes, what is the weakness? Like in such big (laughs) letters is just a little comical, you know, and it took me out of the movie a little bit. (laughs) Oh man. But I think, I think like finding out that, that, that is their weakness is that freaky. Like they're basically a big ear and which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and that cochlear implant, that that kind of frequency, um, I thought was, I mean, it was definitely something that I hadn't seen before um, or even thought of as this could be something. Um, and just kind of how she, how we find it out before she f- figures it out. Um, yeah. B- because she can't hear. Right, through that sound <laughs> And the design. monster's just behind yeah. her. Yeah. Um, I thought was really neat. And it's because... I feel like a lot of times in movies like this, we find stuff out with the character. Right. And the reason the movie doesn't end immediately is because the character has to like hide that from other people for some reason, or they're just stupid and don't use that information. Right. But for us to find out their weakness before the characters do, I thought made, made it more interesting. And I think brought the stakes up a little bit. Yeah. Um, it took me longer than I'd like to admit to realize that, um, like, I realized early on in the movie, like, oh, this teen girl character is deaf, um, you know, with the ear, with the ear implant and everything. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it took me a little too long to, like, connect the dots that the reason the family is so good at sign language is because they have a <laughs> deaf child in their family. Like, Not because they've all just learned sign yes. language over the last, like, 80 days yes. or whatever. <laughs> and I think from the trailers, I was so caught up in the idea that, like, oh, this is the new world. And so they had to, like, learn sign language or create a sign language, you know, for right. this circumstance. And then mm-hmm. to realize, like, oh, no, they already knew sign language as a family. Like, yeah. that makes sense. I think that's such a cool thing to do to this story that like the mm-hmm. family that we don't see a lot of other characters and how well they're managing in this world but it seems like these characters that we know are doing the best at it like that's just kind of yeah. like the vibe yeah. that we get Be- um mm-hmm. and so yeah it makes yeah, i don't know i don't know what their backgrounds are but like they like they have ivs and stuff like I don't know who's a doctor yeah. or like. I mean, is he like an engineer? Like, I don't, think, I don't know. I don't think anything is for sure. But the imp- yeah. implied thing that I got was that Emily Blunt's character had some sort of medical training. That she That's was. That's what like, I was assuming. Looking at all on, the yeah. in the prescriptions, she was like setting up the oxygen tank. You know, right. um, I think you know she got herself through her own childbirth. Um, mm-hmm. So I think she it 
kind of made it seem like she was maybe a nurse or a doctor. Um, yeah. And who knows what John Krasinski's like background was. Um, yeah. It, he could have been an engineer. He could have been like a reg, like any person. And then he just, just a regular farmer yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think it's so cool that the family that's doing the best in this new world is one that had relied on sign language their entire lives. And so that is what kept them alive is that ability to communicate mm-hmm. si- silently. Yeah. I think that's such a, a perfect thing for this story. Um, I was also very curious about like, so this house that they're in, you know, was that their mm-hmm. house before all this happened? Did they f- have to find this house like right after yeah. the world changed, you know? Like Yeah. So so they have the house and then the barn. Um Yeah. And the barn is really kind of where they're living right. and then they go into the house right. every once in a while. Um but it to me it seemed like the house was theirs. Um yeah. because she goes into the room. Um Yeah. You're right. Um, of the of the dead child, right? Um, but it seems like they kind of abandoned that for the barn because it's easier. Yeah, it's an easier place to live. Um, yeah, I I was I think this movie is really smart and innovative. I'm mm-hmm. really glad that I got the courage to see it. Yes, same. I think that this movie is going to embolden me to continue to see horror movies of this on this level that look on this level yeah, yes <laughs> that look like super high quality super innovative and that are not like maybe like the most terrifying mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i still think like this is more of like a suspense movie than a horror movie i i, I don't know why i'm like qualifying them but like this isn't about i don't know like the, i guess the aspects of the movie feel more like 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 a Catherine Hepburn, like wait until dark type thing than a like out and out horror movie. Like, like, well, even the trailers we saw, like truth or dare or hereditary, the point of the movie is I think to have these kind of scary, frightening more than like suspenseful and they can be the same thing sometimes. But I feel like in this movie, it is more about, I don't, I just agree. I don't know. To me, this is a horror film because how many scenes did we get where it's Emily Blunt and a monster in a room together? And, like, that shit is scary, you know? Um, yeah. If the movie was, like, mostly scenes of them just being quiet and then, like, very, uh, like, one, like once or twice we had to deal with a dangerous situation, I might agree with you. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... From the very beginning of the movie to the very end, they were in imminent danger constantly. You know, like it's true. Were not it's just true. like imminent, like we have to be quiet or they'll show up, but like imminent, like the monsters were right there next to them. I guess that's true. I feel like a lot of horror movies are like supernatural or about like um, like psychopaths or like that kind of yeah. thing. And I guess th- this is this doesn't fall in any of those like typical horror yeah. genres. Um, I mean, it's a monster, movie. and so. It is a monster movie, which I n- I'm trying to think of other monster movies that are horror movies. Like Cloverfield is not a horror movie. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of other monster movies now. <laughs> yeah, there's that one that just came out on Netflix. I haven't seen it, but with Rafe Spall, I think is in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, no. I don't remember what it's called, but there's one that came out recently, like in January maybe okay. or February, that mm. um. A lot of people liked that's like a horror film where they're in the woods and there's a monster. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think you're right, though. You're, that you're like, right. 
uh, typically when we think of horror, we think of we think of paranormal or we think of like slasher. Um, right. And right. monster probably isn't as common, but like, mm-hmm. um, you know, is this is a sixth sense horror? You know, like, I don't know. Some people might not say no. Some people say it's suspense. Some people say it might. It maybe is. Um, I think horror is in the eye of the beholder. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was horrified. <laughs> yeah. I was as well, but I was able to do it. Yeah. Whereas some of the other movies I would not have been able to do. So. Yeah. Oh, one really quick thing I wanted to say is that I really appreciated that the young boy character got to be, like, scared and emotional. And yeah. the teen girl character got to be, like, defiant and, you know, like, capable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, yep. I I just think that to show that, like, little boys get scared, too, and, like, I, I think it was, like, a really cool choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, like, him, be, him being able to have that conversation with his dad just about, you know, because they, they talk a little bit about just, like, why he's scared. Like, um, but also just about, you know, his sister and how kind of they've treated his sister since yeah. um, the death of the younger. I thought that was an, that was an amazing scene, too. Yeah. Of oh. him saying, of him saying, like, yes, of course I love her. Of course I love her. It's like, we, you, like you haven't told her yeah. basically any of that. Um, so. We have to talk about the last shot, the ending. What was the ending? Just like the how I thought the ending was really badass. Where oh yes yes like, oh you're right to, to end on that shot of Emily Blunt with that smirk. Um, yep, I think it was a Pumping really the shotgun. cool moment. Totally. Yeah, they now yeah they now have the weapon. <laughs> yeah, I love a movie yeah. that like sets us up for the end where we pretty much know what's going to happen, but they don't need to show mm-hmm. it to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to see her kill all of right. them. Right. Just the fact that they were able. We to don't kill have to one see. Yeah, everyone get all of the monsters get killed and then they lived happily ever after. We just have to know that mm-hmm. that is on the horizon. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and Emily Blunt was so good at that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, just like just her confidence and like that's like you said that smirk right. was just Ugh. yeah so good yeah awesome everybody see this movie if you can i'm i would prefer if everybody saw it in theaters yeah because <laughs> seeing it with other people around you who are also just as terrified as you i will say uh, makes this so much better one thing though i was nervous about going to see it in theaters was so much of the movie is like predicated on silence and you never know mm. in a movie theater if people are going to be quiet, that's true. You know, that's true. You don't know who's going to be like, like popcorn crunching and crunching stuff. popcorn rustling around in their mm-hmm. seat. Whose phone is going to go off? Yeah. We got lucky in that our theater was a very attuned, respectful theater. Yeah, um, same. But you just never know. And so I, I would understand the desire to see, see this with people at home where you can truly be mm-hmm. as quiet as possible. That's true. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch it again at home. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, 
Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on A Quiet Place. Um, you can email us at feelingitpod at gmail.com or talk to us on Twitter at feelingitpod or you can talk to us individually. Sandra, where can we find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. I'll be mostly on Twitter trying to catch up with everything I missed during the move and trying to figure out how Chicago works. Yay! Can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see you guys Bye-bye. later. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 